This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome to episode 11 of Reimagine Law, where we're going to be looking at those who've come from other careers and are now in the world of law or working towards it. And we are absolutely delighted to be joined by two guests today, Rob D'Souza, who's currently at GSK, and Christine Oregu, um, Olympic Commonwealth and world champion um, athlete who has now moved into to the world of law as well. So Kerry, over to you. Thanks, Fran. And thanks, uh, Christine and Rob, for joining us. Rob, I'd like to start with you first, actually. You've got, had a really, really interesting career journey so far. Um, I wonder whether you could um, tell us about your twists and turns along the way. Um, so that's a bit of my background. Um, is in tech or was was in technology. So I started off um, quite a number of years ago now um, as a technologist, uh, working for various industries, um, and landed up working in the media business, where I was one of the team that, that launched the BBC iPlayer for the BBC uh, many years ago, and subsequently other streaming players such as the ITV Hub, uh, Channel Four OD and a number of other innovative ideas that came with the way the technology was going. One thing that I began to get uh, more interested in was, was analytics and data and uh, working with the concept of predictive analytics, so predicting events or, or programming that, that was going to be needed um, within, within broadcasting. But the interesting thing was when I worked with lawyers um, uh, in this field, they were very lawyerish and looked at everything from a completely legal perspective and had no commercial or business understanding of what was trying to be achieved. And, and it sort of concerned me that, that we were going through beginning to beginning to use data both from a from a personal, you know, personal data and marketing people using personal data despite uh, the UK uh, 1998 Data Protection Act. We were just abusing the information and, and, and lawyers just didn't pretty much understand the impact of data uh, in society and on communities. So um, when I was, uh, when I, going back to my sort of childhood or collegehood, uh, I always wanted to be a lawyer and uh, unfortunately I was very lazy and uh, decided to go into uh, technology and computing. Because uh, I thought law was, law was just too hard, despite me wanting to do it, it was just too difficult. So I just took the easy option. Uh, but as I got more and more into the analytical stuff, uh, I got really interested in data privacy um, in relation to how we protect people's information, very interested in uh, data privacy from a, a child protection perspective. And being in technology, you could you could forward see and forward think where technology was moving to and where and where it was going so you could see the impact that data was going to start to have uh within within, within society so about six years seven years ago i decided to change my career completely uh, and take a law degree through the open university um, and i have now done that um, and going through i am i am I am known as a junior, a junior lawyer, despite my age, <laughs> um, as I now find my way through um, through the world of law um, in, in in my further training, um, working working within GSK in in two areas. Um, 
So within GSK, I specialize in data privacy law uh, and a bit of commercial and contract and employment law um, because I'm, I specifically work within the HR or people services who are focused on, uh, on their employees. So I, I represent the employees from a data privacy perspective globally for GSK. Uh, and uh, I do a lot of employment and commercial law um, because they overlap. They overlap. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the type of law I'm in in, in relation to data privacy, um, you're, you are dealing a lot with um, unhappy people. Uh, and uh, I read an article recently where I was told that, uh, that lawyers that represent individuals in court uh, in relation to grievances or, or, or any sort of legal uh, employment tribunals, you, uh, uh, they've now, they've now, the term now weaponizing, uh, weaponizing um, data privacy has been used. So, so when somebody puts in a subject access request, they are weaponizing it in order to put pressure on the company. Um, so I, I, I specialize in those areas. I also do a lot of pro bono work. Um, for uh, for charities, so Make a Wish UK, which is the Children's Foundation, um, the Felix Project, which is a which is a um, food donation bank, which has become very popular in the, in, in the last six to eight months due to COVID, um, and a and a, a, a charity hostel as well that, um, that that I work for. The journey from being where I am to where I am now has been very hard. I have to say, um, I, I have a number of other degrees, mainly in the sciences, and law has been one of the most difficult degrees I have ever had to take. Um, I, think, I think having to learn a new language, in effect, having to learn how to write completely differently, how to express yourself very differently, how to be very careful about the words that you use when you do write, um, being very, being more explicit and more um, direct as to as to what you're looking for or how you're looking for something. Uh, the responsibility um, that's on your shoulders in relation to the advice that you give and the research that you have to do um, is is quite um, is quite pressing. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I, I have to say I've enjoyed the transition. I I love what I do. Uh, I have a passion for it. So for me, it's not really a, wor a working day for me. I, I just enjoy what I do every day. I think as I look at colleagues that have gone through this process and have, and have walked away from the law, um, I think one of the things, one of the key takeaways I had about being a lawyer is that you have to have passion and you, want, you have to want to do it. Um, because if, if you don't have those two things, there's no point going through five years of change, as I have done part-time at the Open University, I have to say, not full-time. So I've, I've worked whilst I've taken my degree. But, um, but uh, yes, it, 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 is, it, it has been one of the hardest degrees I've had to take. Thanks, Rob. That's really, really insightful. And, and I mean, you mentioned that you were working alongside um, studying or re retraining at the Open University. Um, and that in itself is, you know, showing you have that determination to, to make that change because you can't take that kind of thing on lightly, I don't suppose, juggling other priorities and commitments along the way. Um, so without the support of my family, first and foremost, it would have been impossible to do. I, I have a family where I've got four children, so managing that and, and this would have been impossible without their support. Um, you're right, the amount of hours that I put in was on average 
between 16 and 20 hours a week. Um, and I have to admit, I've read no, I've read nothing other than law for the last six years uh, in relation to any book, article, anything I do, I'm, I am reading uh, about the law in relation to trying to understand my, my area of expertise. So it is, it, it, it is, um, it has been hard, yes, and, and without commitment, um, it, wouldn't, it would have been impossible to do. I also have to say that my company have been also very awesome in, 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 in their lining me up. I mean, I work very closely with, with their legal department. I am, I am given work to do pro bono uh, stuff that I do. I get involved in a lot of legal cases within GSK where I am, I am being furnished with a pupillage for free, uh, or, or almost, um, whereas some new lawyers are struggling to find pupillages to do their 18 to two years uh, for, for, their, um, for their solicitor qualification. So I am, I am blessed by GSK uh, allowing, me, allowing me to do that. Thank you. Um, if you were to give one or two pieces of, of key advice to somebody that's considering changing their career, um, and embarking on, on, on law, what would they be? As I say, the first thing is commitment. You, you have to want to be a lawyer. It isn't about the money, because I actually do a lot of pro bono work, and, uh, and I have colleagues telling me that I should be charging, and I don't. I, I, I don't charge because I think people deserve justice if they need it. And if they can't afford it, then I think that's my, one of my obligations is to, be, is to give them that. That is part of the rule of law. Um, but... Uh, I would say commitment is key. Um, you must want to be a lawyer. You must have a passion for that. Um, because if you were doing it part-time, as I did, uh, it's a five-year commitment. Um, uh, and the commitment in hours of study uh, rise from between 10 to 20 hours a week, uh, depending on the assignments that you've got to do, depending on, um, on, on the... Um, uh, research that you would have to do uh, to do the assignments um, and there's other things that are involved it's not just learning the law it's applying it at certain times um, the next thing is is um is buy-in I think if you've got a family and and you wanting and you're wanting to do this then then you need their buy-in because they need to understand that when you're needing to study and the children are flying around throwing themselves on the ground and screaming that you're focused on what you're doing and you've got deadlines to meet for assignments and you've got deadlines to meet for studying. So I think buy-in from your family is, is, is also key. Um, and the other, other element for me is, is, is don't give up because it, I got to a stage where I thought, I just can't do this anymore. It's just too difficult. Um, and I'm just not, I'm just not getting it. It, it. it is causing me a lot of pain and stress. Uh, and without my family driving me or my wife driving me, um, I, I, I wouldn't have got to where I am, to be frank. Uh, so I would say don't give up. It, it is, it is I've, I found out subsequently that law is one of the most difficult degrees to take. Um, but it is, it, is that, it is that striving to remember why you started it in the first place and, 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 and what you want to give once you become a lawyer. So the, so the main things for me are commitment, um, uh, uh, dedication and drive uh, uh, and time and buy-in. It's really, really quite inspiring, Rob, and I'd love your story. I know I've heard it before, but I, I love hearing it again. Um, 
just one quick uh, question before we move on to Christine. Uh, if you had any kind of nuggets of, of you know, resources or um, places to go that people could have a look at that helps them make the decision as to whether they um, will make a change in career or not, um, what would they be? And if you can't think of anything off the top of your head, don't worry, we can pick up afterwards and add them to the show notes. Uh, Well, the OU website, most definitely. Um, It gives you very good insight into into law. Um, There's also the University of Law, which also gives very good insight. The University of Law being based based in Guildford, in Surrey. Um, And then I I think when I started looking into into doing the pro bono stuff I did and, and why I got involved was because it was... I, I, I do a lot of pro bono work also for justice um, uh, and for a number of other centres where there are people that, 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 that just do not have the ability to, to become a litigant in person, which is presenting themselves at court because they can't afford a lawyer. So, so being able to help those individuals, and, and I did a lot of work looking at things like uh, the Citizen Advice Bureau and, and areas where I... Once I got to a point of being able to deliver pro bono work, with even within my studies, within year four I was doing pro bono work, um, was, was how I could help along the way. So I, I took time to look at, um, I, I took time to speak to other lawyers. I, I, I was blessed enough to be able to um, reach out to, to friends and colleagues and, 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 and with other lawyers. Um, two things that I did which I would think I think are excellent if you can, is I spent a week uh, in a firm, a very, very, um, um, very, very reputable firm uh, um, in London, um, through my company, allowing me to spend a week actually working in a firm and actually doing some proper practical work. Uh, This was very early on. And uh, I also spent um, some time in chambers with a family lawyer uh, in Guildford, Surrey, again, learning about child protection family and, and family law and, and and that also brought to home you know why why I was doing something so for me again the the areas that I researched and, and, and I and I dedicated my myself to probing around and moving away from my previous job was was literally building up a uh, sort of a LinkedIn um not profile, but a but a but a persona where where you were moving out your technical friends and moving in your legal friends and beginning to use those legal friends as um, uh, as a way of beginning to build your career slowly whilst you were studying. So so that's so I did I did both at the same time. That's brilliant. Thank you. Really great advice there. Um, and thanks again for, for, for contributing to this podcast, Rob. Really, really appreciate your time. I'm going to hand over to, to Fran now, um, who uh, I'm sure uh, find out a little bit more about Christine's journey. Absolutely. Christine, let me come to you. Um, how do I say this? You are a household name. You are the athlete that was on all of our televisions in London 2012. I believe Commonwealth champion, world champion, Olympic champion, and then retired in 2018 um, from athletics and moved into law. What a fascinating transition. Um, We'd love to hear about your journey and and why you you made that transition and and how it's going. Hi, Fran. Well, yeah, it's been, it's quite a unique transition. I think it's been 
a very unique journey overall. Um, I didn't really have any real yearning to become a lawyer while I was an athlete. It wasn't something that I'd um, given much consideration to. So uh, I think I myself do wonder how I did manage to fall into it because um, I, I completely came from a different, very, very different world. But it was when I was visiting my uh, alma mater and I spoke to a barrister at the time who was doing a lot of work in um, the court of sport arbitration. And he just said it in, uh, in passing conversation, but he became very um, persistent <laughs> in, in, his, um, in, in, in his sales pitch. And he just said, you know, Christine, you'll be good at it. You should go into it. And I, and I really do think you can do it. And at first I didn't really take much notice of him because you generally get used to people trying to sell you stuff. I mean, I do. <laughs> and um, so I didn't really take much notice, but he, uh, in his manner, he, he called me the next day, sent me emails and said, Christine, I really do think it's something you should do. I really do think it's something you should do. And it's only when I started thinking about it properly, I really began to see that it was something that was actually quite exciting. Um, I don't know why, but I, I, I tend to go to shiny things. <laughs> I tend to like excitement. I like to have things that challenge me and really do um, drag out the best of me. So the more and more I thought about it, even though it was a world that I wasn't used to or knew about, it was exciting. And I thought it was a challenge that I would need following my career as an athlete. What is it that excited you specifically about law? What was the... What was the, the, the nuggets there? That's a really good question. And I think at the time, I didn't really know exactly. I think it was, for me, it was a foreign world. And I think that was a challenge in itself. Can I cope with my skill set in an environment that's completely foreign to me? And obviously, I understand what a lawyer did and I understood what it entailed. But where my place would be in that specifically wasn't something that I was very, very sure about. But the more and more I researched, I did actually speak to um, lawyers along the way while I was doing my degree. And then I realized it's probably something that matched my personality, uh, matched in a weird way the skill set that I had as an athlete. And it was something that I was quite happy and comfortable to pursue. So now you've gone down this path and you're, you're, you're on the way. What, what lessons have you learned? What, what's been transferable? What's been less transferable from your previous career? Um, uh, bearing in mind that our listeners will be, um, will be people that might have come from another career or perhaps not. And it's useful for them to be aware of, you know, the challenges that, that colleagues in the future might have. So I, <laughs> I think that people generally did think that because I came from a sporting background, that it would have been very easy to just transfer into, into law and it, and it really wasn't. I think one of the hardest things I noticed, not just from myself um, transferring into law, but I would say um, transferring into anything, follow, you know, transferring into a second career anyway. And it's, it's, it's very, very easy to say you have transferable skills, but you have to be able to demonstrate that you have those transferable skills. And I don't think that was something that was really impressed upon me. People say you have determination, you have commitment, you have all these things, but you know, going into your next career, you have to show that you have these things and show them that you have it in the context that's required of you. Um, so 
that was kind of the uh, challenge I had coming into law was that I had all these, you know, I had a whole litany of things that I picked up from um, athletics, but you have to, I had to show that I could do that in a legal context. So that's when I had to almost backtrack and make sure that I was covering my ends in terms of the work experience. I was doing the legal opportunities that I was, I was, um, I was engaging in. And it did come as a sharp shock <laughs> that just because I had the background I did, it didn't necessarily guarantee that everything uh, after that would be smooth sailing. So that was a, a really difficult lesson, I think, to, um, to, 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 to understand. But I suppose what was harder was just the realization that, oh crap, this is not what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> and so you had to kind of unwind. But you know what? It was one of those things that I suppose you have to learn at some point. Absolutely. And you know, it's such a valuable lesson, even for somebody who isn't on a second career to learn, but you know, may have had a part time job at Tesco's or, you know, I, I worked at a shoe shop myself, um, that you still have to make that link. There are loads of transferable skills that are incredible. Um, but, you know, somebody who's demonstrated as much determination as you in your first career still have to demonstrate that determination in relation to law. And how do you join that bridge? Yeah, absolutely. And that echoes really a lot of what Rob was saying earlier as well about the commitment and the drive to get in. Um, so last question from me, Christine. Um, what would you, advice would you give to our listeners who perhaps are school leavers in sixth form, maybe early on in their degrees, um, who haven't had that second career? Is there anything that you'd like to say to them in terms of, um, of how you might get into the law or, or sell yourself to do that? Yes, I would say um, my, uh, I'd say my top tips. <laughs> uh, I think the first thing I would, I would say was, uh, you know, understand the landscape, understand the landscape that you're heading into. Um, you know, have good understanding of the timeframes, the financial commitment, the time commitments, because things always appear different on paper than they do in real life. So really get to grips about where you're trying to um, head into. Um, the second piece of advice I'd say, keep talking, talk to anyone and everyone. People have different experiences. On my way into law, I realized that so many different people came from law from really different angles. Um, I met one man who was a truck driver and he became a barrister. Another one, you know, everybody has something completely different and they have their they have different obstacles and challenges that they've had to try and navigate. And you can learn from that. You can learn from their mistakes and how they resolve things. So keep talking, talk to as many different people as you can, learn different perspectives. Um, I think the talking aspect was also helpful in terms of, it just gives you a chance to see who your competitors are, the kind of people that you'll be competing against, the kind of people that will be looking to get the same job that you want to get. So talk and you've, I mean, that's what I do in athletics. I'm always talking to my competitors because I want to know what they know. I want to know how they compete, how their mind works, what kind of goals they make, how they made, make those goals. So it's important to keep the communication open. And the third thing I'd like to say is that understand that it's a journey and not just a destination you're trying to get to. So you can't be too rigid and inflexible. You have to have a, a plan that's that's kind of malleable and, and able to change. So even though you have your goal, you might have different opportunities and different options to go towards that goal. And I think that's better in just allowing yourself to evolve and develop um, because that's where the, um, I'd say that's where the biggest growth occurs.
Yeah, fantastic. What a great last one to be to be adaptable and flexible. And um, your competitive spirit clearly coming out as well in terms of knowing your, your competitors, Christine, but such a good point to make. Rob, I don't know whether we've got time, just if I could ask you the same question. Do you have a, a top tip that you would give to those starting out in their legal career? Um, so I think uh, very much like Christine, it's, um, again, for me, it, it, it is about the commitment of, of, of wanting to become a lawyer. I think being a lawyer is, is a, for me anyway, it's a vocational thing. It is, um, it is something that that is there for you to... Um, for you to give out to those that require the assistance and help they need. I think my top tip, though, is that uh, uh, even as Christine said, I, I, I jumped on the word financial um, because it, it is a financial commitment. I have to say, um, I didn't mention that in my sort of in, in, in my discussions, but there is a time and financial commitment, and, and, and you have to be aware of that commitment going through becoming a lawyer um, because it. To be frank and honest, it's not cheap, <laughs> okay? You want to become a lawyer and enter this field, it's not cheap. And don't expect when you are a lawyer that you'll claw back that money within the first year. Because as I said at the beginning of my journey, I'm a junior lawyer at the age of 50. Um, I am a junior lawyer. And, 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 and uh, I had a lawyer remind me of that not so long ago. So, um, so uh, the financial commitment is, is high. Um, and the reward at the beginning is low, so um, so it's about that. It, it, it is it's about uh, as Christine said, it's about the commitment to 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 do what you want to do and be challenged by it, um, uh, and to get benefit from it. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll, we always conclude each episode by inviting our listeners to think about doing something practical, some actions to take forward. Um, and Kerry, two that um, occurred to me. Uh, one is that idea that Christine was talking about, about transferable skills. And for our listeners just to reflect on skills that they may have, have got from volunteer opportunities, part-time jobs, perhaps they have had a first career. Um, and to really think about how they can bridge that gap to what it is that they are aiming for. And again, to use Christine's words, competing for um, in, in the final instance. Um, and then the second action I was thinking of was um, about building networks, you know, being confident um, about being adaptable. And if you're going to be adaptable and flexible and move and take this big commitment that Rob's spoken about, um, building your networks on LinkedIn so that they, it gives you all of those pathways and opportunities. Um, Kerry, had you had any thoughts? Yeah, I just wanted to pick up on something that Rob said earlier on, actually, around gaining um, insights and work experience through pro bono work. Um, I think that's really quite uh, important. And you see, a, you see the law and a career in law through a different lens by doing that as well. And I think that's a really important lens. Um, and it's, especially if you know, it's a really competitive marketplace, if you're, if you're just starting out, but even if from the second job perspective, yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough to get a training contract, um, but getting that pro bono um, experience would just really stand you in, in great stead and and test whether or not you do have the commitment to pursuing that career in law. And I think we'll um, wrap up there, but you've certainly given us an idea for a new episode, Rob, I think around pro bono that we can perhaps explore. 
Um, all right, so thank you ever so much to our two guests today, Robert D'Souza and Christine Oregu, um, for your really valuable contributions. Um, and from both Kerry and I, um, thanks for listening. Thank you.